The Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 2. We're talking embracing the process and creating value with Kylie Lynch of SculptedMuscle.com. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. Breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan. Episode 2. We're talking marketing, good old-fashioned marketing, no cheating the system, no black hat tricks. We're talking about creating value and building trust with your audience. And our guest today, Kylie Lynch of Sculpted Muscle, he has a story that's very common among entrepreneurs, and that's hating your first job out of college. And in Kylie's case, he was an accountant who was putting in the 80-hour weeks and had the benefits and all the things that were supposed to be great, but he wasn't fulfilled and transitioned that into marketing and fitness. He took his passion for fitness and his desire to create workouts for himself that he could do at home and created one of his first products, Extreme Home Workouts. During our interview with Kylie, he talks about creating products that he knows his target market would want to buy, as opposed to creating products that he thought were great. He really focused on creating that avatar and marketing directly to that avatar. And not only did he find his avatar, but he talks about leading with value, providing value right up front so that your audience knows they can trust you and that you're helping them find a solution, not just selling them a product. So let's jump right into it. All right. So today we're joined by Kylie Lynch. Kylie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ryan and Corey. So why don't you tell us about your background and your fitness journey? What led to your passion for fitness? Well, I I always had a passion for fitness, Ryan. I was active in sports uh, for the majority of my youth. I actually played basketball in college, which consumed a lot of my time, but I never really had the time that I wanted to actually reach my fitness goals. So right out of college, I took a job in Boston as a tax accountant. So I was working 80-hour weeks doing something that I absolutely despised. And obviously, I had no time to go to the gym whatsoever. So that was out of the question. And I tried to utilize my weekends the best that I could, but I still wasn't getting the results that I wanted to. So it, it sort of forced me to modify my approach and do something a little unconventional Um, I started lifting equipment that was already stored in my apartment. So I started lifting suitcases, mattresses, whatever I could. And then I started seeing some results with my body. And eventually I I left that miserable corporate job. Um, And then I just focused 100% on transforming my body because it was something that I always wanted to do. And when I was an overweight accountant, you know, I got up to about, I would say, 200 30 pounds, not morbidly obese by any means, but I had definitely let myself go. And, you know, all the taxis and lunches and dinners and takeout food definitely started to show. Uh, So that's sort of what led me to my journey. And then from there, I sort of decided to, you know, try to make it into a business as well. So it was it was a long journey that was well worth it. I think a lot of college athletes can actually relate. I know playing tennis in college, you know, I was working out all the time. I wasn't necessarily working out the way I wanted to, but I was working out for the sport. But the problem was, is once I graduated, I was like, what the heck do I do now with working so many hours? And it was trying to find the time to balance working out, you know, with my new job and with working so many hours a week. So it's great that you found something that you could do at home. And it's so creative, Kylie. It's great. Can you sort of tell us a little bit about what your current routine looks like? 
Yeah, sure. And, and, and thank you for that, Corey. I, I really appreciate it. Right now, um, basically, so I, I do go to a gym about two to three days per week. And, you know, I kind of focus on a particular muscle group for that day. So let's say that I go and, and train chest. I'll do a couple of, of presses to sort of build the density and the mass of the muscle. And then I'll do some lightweight flies uh, to sort of maintain the definition. So for me personally, I'm really not looking to, you know, look like a bodybuilder by any means. I really like to have like the tone athletic physique. So that's what I do at the gym. Um, now at home, I sort of combine body weight exercises with sort of like my routine of, you know, lifting everyday equipment that's already stored in the house. So my focus on training is always constantly adapting to new movements. I'm always throwing in new exercises to avoid that plateau phase. I'm always mixing up the exercises, doing new workouts. And for cardio, I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's another passion of mine uh, because I absolutely hate doing like any type of long, boring cardio. I'm not a fan of doing the treadmill work. I'm not even a fan of running outside. Uh, so jiu-jitsu really gave me an outlet where I could get a good cardio workout, but I could also activate primary and secondary muscle groups as well. So, uh, you know, I, I would say overall I train five days per week, and I definitely try to get those two days of rest into to be able to recuperate. Could you give us a sample of your workout at home? I know a lot of people are looking to sort of make things more interesting without necessarily having a lot of equipment or space at home. So could you just sort of tell us what one of your workouts looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I kind of mix it up where instead of like going in and focusing on one particular muscle group like I do at the gym, I really try to do like uh, compound movements, activate different muscle groups. Uh, let's say, you know, I, I would start building my chest by doing a series of push-ups, you know, regular push-ups, and then I'd modify the angle of the push-ups to hit different areas of the chest. So, you know, obviously I don't have any fancy equipment here, so I could do couch incline push-ups where I would stand on the couch, just a slight modification of the angle, but it targets different regions of the chest. From there, you know, let's say I wanted to hit my biceps. Um, you know, instead of buying an expensive weight sets with dumbbells and barbells, I would take out either a suitcase or a water jug and I would simulate the same movement, right? So I'd be able to do a curl with the same amount of weight, despite it's not regular weight that you typically find in a gym. Uh, I love to do squats for the lower body and I love to do body weight exercises for the abs because I found that the best way to get abs is just by doing short, consistent body weight workouts anywhere between, you know, five to 10 minutes. So I'm always introducing my body to different types of body weight workouts for the abs. And uh, it also gets my blood flowing, it elevates my heart rate. It gives me a good cardio workout too. So uh, that's kind of a sample. And when I work out at home, I really try to keep it anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes. But I really try to minimize the, the rest in between sets too. You know, I, I try to do that to always keep my heart elevated into that fat burning zone. You know, I think it's interesting. You've talked about the transformation and transition of your workouts from your college to now and also your job. And it almost seems like in the in the fitness space, a lot of people who – get on that get that entrepreneurial bug and want to work for themselves they have a transition like that that goes together was there any moment that sticks out in your mind that was that transition where you thought i can take this and get away from my nine to five and turn it into a career a hundred percent yeah and that was uh 
That was a big paradigm shift for me, Ryan, because keep in mind, I'm from Rhode Island and I'm also from one of the smallest towns in Rhode Island. So a lot of my friends are literally just finding out about the Internet now. (laughs) We're kind of behind the curve on things. So, yeah, I mean, when I was working the nine to five, you know, I pretty much listened to what everybody told me to do, did everything, quote unquote, right, according to society standards. But I was really lucky because right out of college, I realized that I had a bunch of money. But I was literally depressed. You know, I I felt like I was contributing nothing to society. Um, I just wasn't happy. And I realized that, like, you know, you have to be happy in your career if you want to live a quality life. Um, So at the time, I really didn't know how to make that transition. But it forced me to start doing my due diligence on the Internet. You know, I came across – the site Early to Rise. I subscribed to their newsletters. I came across a guy named Eben Pagan who had me in a hand-holding mastermind class and sort of gave me an overview of marketing and just sort of like sort of let me understand the potential of the internet. And Ryan, you know, that shift of, you know, focusing on how much money you can make in 24 hours a day versus how many people can you reach out of seven and a half billion, making that shift was really powerful for me and it forced me to kind of, you know, create products to help people all over the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about the products that you offer, Kylie? Yeah, sure. No, sure. Absolutely. Um, well, I first came out with an ebook called The Transformation Truth and it was a really long ebook, quality stuff, workouts, nutrition, productivity tactics, pretty much everything I knew about fitness. It was over 200 pages and I you know, I was really proud of it. It took me a long time to write. But then as I continued to learn marketing, I realized the overwhelming importance of having a unique hook or a core value proposition. So, you know, sort of by default when I was an accountant, I kind of created, you know, this system where instead of joining a gym or instead of just doing bodyweight exercises, you could sort of bridge those two together. And, you know, as I already talked about here, you know, lifting and using equipment that you already have and simulating those advanced movements in the gym. So uh, that product is called Extreme Home Workouts, um, and it's really unique. It's really unorthodox, and it comes across as a little crazy, but it works, you know, and we got a bunch of testimonials on there, people building lean muscle, uh, people dropping fat. So that's probably my flagship product in terms of the one that I'm most proud of because it's the one that I sort of used in my own personal transformation. You know, I think it's interesting. You touched on the marketing element straight from the beginning when you joined. And I think a lot of people that are into fitness, they almost want to ignore that for as long as they possibly can because the idea intimidates them. What advice would you have to give to a beginner who was maybe considering going into their, the fitness space to start creating products and courses? What advice would you give in terms of where to start with looking at marketing? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. Um, you know, I would say that especially with fitness, it's such a big niche and it's really important um, to stand out and develop that unique marketing hook. One of the analogies that I always like like to use is, you know, imagine you're going out on a Friday night and you want to go to a restaurant and you pull up to a big restaurant that that says food. You know, you're probably not going to wine and dine there. Why? Because it's like, you know, you probably want to go to either an Italian restaurant or a Chinese restaurant. You need something specific that's going to correlate to your needs, whatever that is. So in the game of fitness, you know, if, if you're coming out with the, hey, I'll help you build muscle and lose weight, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. 
But, you know, you need to have a unique hook. You need to offer something of value that is distinct from all these other products in the marketplace because it's a crowded niche. And, um, you know, you have to have a reason for somebody to listen to you rather than all these other authority brands like Beachbody, P90X, you know, that have millions of dollars of marketing to put in, into their campaign. So, yeah, I mean, I would say that the marketing aspect is developing a unique hook and then offering value. You know, I think there's this misconception between marketing and selling. And I think there's a huge difference between the two where, you know, when, you know, when you have a prospect or an email leader or, or whatever it be, um, you know, really lead with value and really be willing to get the short end of the stick and, um, you know, try to try to garner their trust first before you even introduce any of your products and services. And I think if if people coming into the space can just do those two things, that they'll be fine. You know, I think it's great that you touched on the unique hook in the value and even used the food analogy because I've always liked the concept of people don't want price, they want value. You never see a pizza place say, pizza, $10. You know, yeah. it's like, that's not creative. That's not giving a hook. And I mean, I think the fact that you can take that and, and apply it into the fitness situation, and, and that's great advice for anybody starting out. Don't view it as, I just want to have a cheap product that somebody will buy, but I want to offer value to this person with a specific reason. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it seems, it sounds so cliche. You know, we like, you hear this all the time. It's about the value, not the money, but it doesn't really resonate until you truly see the sales not come in until, until you make this shift. And, and, you know, Ryan Corey, the, the truth is, you know, your customers don't care about your product. They care about the solution that you're providing them. You know, and when you really build your products based on that notion and, and rather than trying to like package it so it looks nice on the sales page, really try to focus on the specific benefits that they're looking to experience and the obstacles that they're facing. And, you know, whether it's an ebook, audio, or video format, it, that's not what they're paying for. They're paying for the solution that you can provide them. And, and to me, that's essentially what professional marketing is. I think you also touched on a great point with trust. We've got to get our audience, our customers to trust us. And the thing is, I think a lot of times people are afraid to give stuff away. They're afraid to provide free content and give stuff away. How important is that really to building your brand and also creating that trust that's so important? Oh, it's, 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 it's so important, especially when it comes to email marketing where, you know, if somebody doesn't open your first few messages, they're, they're very seldom going to open a message, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever the case may be. I think that it's, it's more about the scarcity mindset that a new entrepreneur would possess where it's like you work so hard to create this content. The last thing you want to do is give it away for free. It goes against everything you've been taught. But when you kind of make that shift and you understand that, no, the best way to instill trust is by taking your best stuff and just giving it away for free, not only for free, up front in the beginning of your funnel. Because what's going to happen is, you know, when your prospects get that content and you deliver benefits, they're going to be thinking, you know, if Ryan and Corey's free stuff is this good, imagine how good their paid stuff is going to be. So it's called pushing the free line. And I actually learned that from Eben Pagan. And as counterintuitive as it seems, it's just so powerful because the goal is to really, you know, get that trust right off the bat 
because these are the people that are going to be your customers and, and hopefully repetitive customers um, on the back end as well. So yeah, Corey, to answer your question, I, I think it's one of the most important elements of marketing, getting that trust as soon as possible. You have such a great product, Kylie, and you have such a great outlook on marketing. But what was one of the biggest challenges you faced? Everything could have gone this smoothly. Oh my God. No, not, not even close. So the biggest challenge that I faced, I would say, was when I first got online and I created my product, I sort of had the if you build it, they will come mindset. So I was like, okay, I, I, I finished my ebook. I, I, you know, I put up a sales page and then for whatever reason, one week later, I wasn't sitting on a beach in Jamaica with, with the drink in my hand. And I was like, what's going on? Millions of dollars are supposed to just pour out of my computer. And I kind of fell for this erroneous notion that the internet is some quick fix and that it's easy. And I mean, you know, I'll put blame where it's due. You know, there are a lot of products and gimmicks out there that, that sort of leverage that, um, in their marketing campaigns where it's like, oh, you know, if you, you, you know, you build a product, you sell it, money will ma magically come through the door. So for me, uh, the biggest challenge I had was rather than having an online hobby, I had to focus on building a business. And those are two completely different things. And I think that, you know, the labor, the consistency and the due diligence that goes into building an online business is really no different than any other business. I think the payoff is greater um, in terms of automation and, and reaching more people all across the world. You're not confined to your geographical space if you just had a brick and mortar facility down the road that sells ice cream or whatever the case may be. But um, really understanding that, you know, this is no different than anything else and learning the different marketing with social media, with the blog, with email, that was the biggest challenge where, you know, you don't just create a product, you have to create a product and then you have to promote it. It's your job to put that product in front of the people that need it most. I think that's a great lesson for the kids out there. It's not as easy as creating a product and waking up at the same time as Craig Ballantyne. <laughs> well, I don't think anything's as easy as waking up at the same time as Craig Ballantyne. Um, you, you know, but Craig, Craig is a great dude, uh, and I've learned so much from him. I actually interviewed him, uh, you know, a, a couple months back. But I, but I'm still trying to incorporate some of his daily rituals in, in, into my daily routine. And if I can only get a couple of them, I'll be good to go. You know, I think that's great. What are some other routines or things that you incorporate in terms of tools or, you know, websites you look at frequently to get your motivation and run your business? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and, and this is something that we had discussed too. I think that like, you know, in terms of sales pages, I think the concept of modeling is really, really important, but there's also a big disparity between modeling and just outright plagiarism. I think that, you know, rather than kind of like reinventing the wheel and testing and trying out new ideas for yourself, you know, there are established brands out there that make millions of dollars and that have huge budgets eight, nine figure companies in the fitness niche that are doing so well, you know, why not take a glance at them, see what they're doing, see the things that they're doing right. And then sort of monitoring those trends across the board and seeing what other entrepreneurs or companies are adapting them and just seeing the common trends that work in the fitness industry and then build off that, you know, kind of like make it unique to you and your products. But I think modeling is really, really important. 
It's definitely something that after talking to you a little bit more, I I realized the importance of and I realized I wasn't doing. It's sort of, to go back to your food analogy, it's like using a recipe. The first time you use a recipe, you're not going to start adding in all these crazy different things. You're going to go buy the recipe. And then once you've made it a couple times, hey, maybe you're making muffins and you want to add in chocolate chips after, but you're going to sort of stick and model first and then build off of that afterwards. That, Corey, that, that, that is a great point. And I'll even take it a step further. Imagine you take the best chef in the world and you're like, okay, you know, bake me a cake and there's no recipe. Imagine if you tried it with no recipe at all and you're just building things that you think will, you know, or, or cooking things that you think will taste good. It's like, no, everybody models, right? There's recipes. That's the foundation of every meal that you make. And then from there, you can kind of sprinkle on what you want to, to, to add some zest to, to the dish. But at the end of the day, everybody models, you know, it's ubiquitous. So I think when it comes to marketing, you have to adapt that, that same philosophy. And uh, I think it's really important, especially for newbies that are just coming into the game. Yeah, I think that's a big misconception is people think they need to reinvent the wheel when they don't need to do that at all. You know, it's just coming in with a strategy and like you said, a unique hook. And that's often enough to make that push forward. A hundred percent, Ryan. You're you're absolutely right. And another thing too that I, I that I think ties in with that is the fact that a lot of newbies, myself included, they'll create products based on what they think is effective. And the reality is the majority of your prospects, leads, and customers probably aren't at the same level as you. They're probably novices, you know? They're probably not the people that are in the gym seven days per week. Um, you know, on a carb depletion for their next competition. You're not not saying that you won't have some people like that, but I would venture to guess that most people are looking to drop a couple pounds, you know, maybe do some home workouts, maybe just get in shape for the summer. They're not looking to adapt this drastic lifestyle change. And for me, when I started creating content at first, you know, I'm a fitness nut. I, I just, I love to train, you know, but I was treating my prospects as if, you know, they were me and, you know, my content wasn't resonating. And when I sort of made that shift and I understood what their core desires and goals were, and I started accommodating them through my content, that's when I saw a bump in conversions, open rates, and overall engagement. You know, Dennis and Kelsey at Hitburn, well, my brother and sister-in-law <laughs> at Hitburn, <laughs> talked about that concept of really creating that avatar that you know is your ideal client. And they said once they did that, that's when they saw their biggest jump in sales and interaction and everything like that. I know. And, and yeah, 100%. And, and yeah, they're doing that in addition to a bunch of other great things over at Hitburn because I feel like every time I log on to Facebook, I see one of their ads that has like thousands of likes and shares. It's it's just awesome. But you're you're absolutely right. That avatar, and it sounds so crazy where it's like, wait a second, I got to create this imaginary person and like give them a name and like, like the, it just sounds ridiculous, but it's so effective. Because at the end of the day, you really are going to be marketing to a specific demographic. And the, the reality is that, you know, most of your buyers probably aren't going to be 19, 20, 21 year olds. You know, I mean, not to say that they can't be, but, you know, if you're speaking a language that's going to appeal to, to a younger demographic, when in reality, your buyers are going to be 40 and 50 and 60, there's going to be a natural disconnect there. So really trying to retrieve that data, creating that avatar and going as deep as possible, not so much about, hey, you know, what are their fitness goals? What are their obstacles? But it's like, you know, what do these people do in their spare time? You know, are they conservatives? Just like 
Whatever the case may be, dialing it down as deep as possible, and if possible, like getting on the phone and engaging with these people and, and just you know getting as much information as possible, it's just well worth it at the end of the day because once you have that avatar dialed in, um, you can structure all your marketing campaigns around it, and it just makes a huge difference. And I think it's very important when we find that target audience to not get caught up in who we want to train or who we think we should be training, but who will actually respond to our products and we can actually help out. A hundred percent. And it's difficult to do because I think that, you know, as marketers and entrepreneurs, it's tough to like not be attached to what we think is right. And it's really hard to switch gears and adapt to what the data says rather than what you believe is right. And I've been there before, you know, I've created products that I thought were going to be so awesome, but they just flopped and no one bought them. And I'm thinking, Hey, you know, what's going on over here? But, um, uh, yeah, Corey, I absolutely agree with you. Being able to like, you know, objectively take a stand back, look at the engagement and the response rate, and then, you know, place all your efforts and resources into the products and the services that are converting. You know, what was the biggest hack, we'll call it a hack of your funnel or your products or your marketing that yielded the best results and what were they? 100%. I think that a lot of people you know, they'll create their funnel based off their best product and it makes sense. But for me, really lowering the barrier initially. So, you know, when somebody comes through and they make the commitment to be an email lead, you know, you start sending them emails, whatever the case may be, however your funnel is, rather than offering a $40 book or like, you know, video course or premium coaching, lower the barrier and just offer a low ticket product, get them in the door and really try to over deliver initially. For me, you know, I'll, 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 I'll offer like a $7 abs product and I'll really make it a point to just give away as much value as I can. And, you know, $7, measly seven bucks, that's not a large commitment on their end. So for them to become a customer, for them to trust me, for them to look at me as an authority who's really going to over deliver on any any product that I offer them is important from there you can start incorporating your your higher ticket items and your back end funnels and you know the people that are already customers even if it's just $7 are much more likely to invest more with you rather than you know off the bat just offering a bunch of you know a bunch of products 40 60 70 dollars whatever the price points may be i think it's important to lower the barrier low ticket tripwire products off the bat and you're building that trust and that value. So they know if I'm getting this much spending $7 that when I am ready to commit to the coaching or something, the tire ticket, they know that value is going to be there for that as well. A hundred percent. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ryan. And I've worked with some pretty prominent, um, you know, fitness experts, celebrity trainers, and they just don't understand that where, you know, they'll get somebody in the door and on email two, they'll offer their $3,000 premium coaching over three months. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. You know, it's not that they're not qualified to offer coaching at that price point. It's that they haven't garnered the trust of their customer 
to be able to put themselves in a position to do that. So, you know, rather than putting that coaching up front, it's like, okay, let's get them in the door as a $7 customer. Let's offer a higher ticket product, maybe for 47 or 67. And if they've invested in both of those courses, then maybe we present them with an opportunity to work with you one-on-one. Maybe they fill out a survey. Maybe you get them on the phone and talk to them personally before you decide to sell them on premium coaching that costs thousands of dollars. So it, you know, that's really the game of marketing. Like we talked about before, it's leading with value and and really instilling that trust, um, really giving before you put yourself in a position to take. You've given everybody such great advice today. If you could go back and give your former self one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I would, uh, I would go back and tell my former self, break the rules <laughs> as, as Arnold Schwarzenegger said, you know, rules are meant to be broken. Now, now I'm not advocating that you break the law or anything like that, right? Not what I'm saying, but you know, here I was, I, I, I was in a position, I was a 22 year old kid. I felt like I had did, done most things right. I had listened to my professors. I went to a so-called prominent business school, despite no professor there had ever started a business, much less scaled one. So that's an odd concept to think of. But, you know, I listened to everybody, yet there I was, you know, in a cubicle, depressed, doing something I hated for 80 hours a week. And my family members and friends were so proud of me because I had, you know, health insurance and benefits. And, you know, don't be scared to take a risk. I think that a lot of people live this dogmatic lifestyle where deep down inside they're not happy. They know exactly what they need to do to be happy. But for whatever reason, something's holding them back. So for me, I would tell my former self to just, you you know, don't be scared. And I, you know, looking back, I, you know, I would have made this move at like 22, 23, if I could have, you know, whereas I spent the next five, six years of my life sort of conforming to the standards of corporate America, continuing to do something that I despised. And I was just unhappy. And I think if people just put themselves out there and take a risk, they'll be really surprised um, what they can do. Because I truly believe that we're living in, in the best world possible. The opportunity here with the internet has created ample opportunity for everybody, whether you're in a accountant, whether you're a lawyer, you know, whether you're an artist or whether you're in the fitness game, I I truly believe you can monetize your passion if you understand the core concepts of marketing and, you know, if you're willing to put in the time and and deal with the roadblocks that come along with it. And I think that'll strike a chord with so many people out there. And the one thing to remember is the internet is still so young. I mean, there's still so much opportunity. It's still an infant, you know, in terms of potential. (laughs) So it's like, take that leap, you know, uh, get out there, break the rules, not the law. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, because you know it, it's tough, Ryan. Like when I when I first started, you know, my, my even to this day, like some of my friends just didn't understand. They were like, "So, so you're going to be a personal trainer?" And I was like, "Oh, okay, well, kind of, but I'm sort of going to film my content and package it into products." And they're like, "Well, the, you know, don't you need like a Hollywood executive to get permission to do that?" And it's like, "Well, not really." And just the concept, most people don't understand. And I think that that's a big roadblock for people where it's like, if, if you want to embark on this journey of entrepreneurship in the world of information marketing, you're going to be misunderstood. You know, there are going to be people that will probably encourage you to play it safe and seek security. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think you've seen the massive payoff and what's possible you know, with the internet and all these social platforms. And like you just alluded to, Ryan, like the internet is an infant, but to think that just 10 years ago, 
There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no YouTube. So what is it going to look like 10 years from now as these new platforms continue to get introduced? It's not going anywhere. And I truly believe that if you have value and you have a skill and you're able to transition it uh, to an online setting, that the possibilities are truly endless. So, I mean, I'm just excited. I'm just excited about today and I'm excited about what's to come as well. With the internet, there are so many possibilities, especially in the fitness realm. We have so many opportunities to reach so many more people than we could in person. Where do you see the future of the fitness industry going? Oh man, that is a, that is a great, great question. I, uh, I truly believe that the live stream workouts are going to be the future. And, uh, one of my good friends, and I'm sure you guys know him, Todd Kuslikis, uh, just started a new venture called Rally All where basically trainers are going to be live streaming, you know, live workouts to people all over the world. And, you know, these people can ask questions, uh, they can engage with the trainers. It, It really builds accountability with the trainer and the member, because there are so many people out there that have these large social presences that just don't really understand marketing. And I think as time goes on, that shift of sort of bringing your studio, your personal training facility, that one-on-one physical engagement, I think that you're going to see that transition onto the internet. And and I think that's going to be the next big thing. And, you know, we actually both have connections to Todd and Rally All. Corey did classes on Rally All. And That's if, right. You did, Corey. That's right. That's right. And if you've seen their explainer video, that was me. <laughs> oh, my that, oh, my God. That's right. I was I was actually working in Rally All, and I still am, not as much, but just like reaching out to trainers. And I got to say, that copy doodle video is absolutely amazing. And now I remember Todd saying – he had a connection with Dennis Heenan to get it. So that makes all the sense in the world now. You did a phenomenal <laughs> job, man. It was one of the best videos I've ever seen. It's all coming together. It's all the, <laughs> the big spider web of connections. It really, really is, man. It's great. It's absolutely great. All right. Well, let's jump into my favorite segment now, which is where we really get to know you. It's called the Fast Five Fitness Facts. Awesome. Where we're going to ask you five questions, and you're going to do the best you can to give us a good answer. Sounds good. Question number one, what is your favorite exercise? I'm going with suitcase biceps curls. I'm willing to bet you haven't heard that one yet. I'm willing to bet. (laughs) Suitcase biceps curls. What exercise do you hate but love at the same time? I'm going to have to go with pull-ups because I can't do many. But when I do them, they definitely give me the biggest bang for the buck. Very effective exercises, yet I find, my, I find myself dreading them most of the time. The best book you've ever read? I will have to say Scaling Up by Vern Harnish for business. But I got, I got to give a plug to Craig Ballantyne, too, because I just read his book, The Perfect Day Formula, and it's incredible. We'll, we'll allow two. Okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> What's your favorite pump up song? Till I Collapse by Eminem. Just 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 gets me out of a rut whenever I'm not motivated. I turn that song on and, and I'm good. It gets you up on that pull-up bar. It definitely does. I don't, I don't know about that, but but it does a lot. And last question, if you could train with one person alive or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, that's Jack, that's just a phenomenal question. 
Well, for the longest time, it was Greg Plitt, but unfortunately, he died a couple years ago. Uh, he definitely had a profound impact on, you know, just the philosophy of fitness where, you know, he was the number one fitness model in the world. He was on more covers than anybody, but he really helped me understand that like, you know, the core lessons of a body transformation can be applied to pretty much any endeavor in life. You know, if you're willing to lose weight, build muscle, whatever the case may be, you know, understanding, you know, the discipline, the consistency, the sacrifice that goes along with it. I just, it's truly the core foundation of anything that you do in life. And I think that, you know, a lot of people in society today are chasing the quick fix. They're chasing that magic pill that's going to somehow resolve, you know, 10, 20 years of no exercise and bad eating habits. And I think that if people just stop for a second and they embrace the process that's required, um, it's so powerful because at the end of the day, Ryan and Corey, when you get in shape, you don't want to turn around and say, oh, that was easy. You know, you want to be proud of the journey. You want to be proud of the way your body looks. And that's going to require you to embrace the pain and embrace the struggle and continue to moving forward rather than being one of these people that have the same exact New Year's resolution every single year that last about six days and they don't see their results and it's back. They revert back to their old habits and then they just continue try, trying to get in shape year in and year out and they never get there. So. I know that was sort of a long-winded answer, but Greg Plant, for sure. You've given us so much great stuff to think about, Kylie. Do you have any closing thoughts for us and maybe also want to tell us where we can find you if people want more information? Awesome. No, th thank you guys. I I'm, I'm really happy to be on. I really appreciate it. I would say just go to my blog. It's called sculptedmuscle.com. Uh, I'm always putting articles about lifestyle, motivation, nutrition, uh, workout. So I would say that's the best way to find me. Perfect. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys. I really, really appreciate it so much. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.